What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two-Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really, 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 really special guest in the building. Listen, this man has been giving you hits from in the 80s right until right now, 2021. He has a new album out called The Next Chapter. You know we have in the building today? We have Mr. Singing Melody in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? Well, you know, I'm here mostly just taking it easy in this pandemic, trying to figure out left and right and trying to figure out if we're right as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's the best way to put it. But life is here. God is still operating. And we can't forget that that we are a part of the, the kingdom and uh, we help to either build or destroy it. So that's the full nutshell. You understand 100%, and especially somebody like you that's been in the business for so long. How has it been being down for so long, not actually getting to perform and stuff for like almost a year now? Well, as as, as many of my friends talk about it, it it's, it's really a depressing, a depressing stage where we are now and we're trying to figure out what to do. The good part of this is that this is where family gets... In very, very important. And um, this is what actually keep me going. Um, also, I have a live show that I do Monday, um, Saturday, and Sunday on IG that I started way before the pan pandemic gets so severe. And that's what actually keep me growing, actually keep me more connected because I was always a, per a shy person, don't like to be on camera and you know, even though I do a lot of interviews, but, you know, I never actually thought that this is something that I could do on my own. And um, but the encouragement from my family and friends and, you know, people who I love um, so much actually inspired me to, to to really carry on. And then, you know, um, out of that, you know, um, I was working on an album before the pandemic and it was due to come out before that but then this happened so we have to take a step back and you know just just uh just go over some things and see how we're gonna approach the situation now and that is basically everything in a nutshell what actually keep me going um but not be able to perform and to entertain is another phase of it income is also another phase of it you know, um, that has been depressing. But like I said, you know, I have my family and support for my wife and, you know, and so on. So it, it's it's good. It's good. Definitely, definitely. Because right now, I know a lot of people have learned a lot of stuff about their self, their business, mm -hmm. and their craft in the last 10 months or so. Because it's been, we've never been through anything like this in our lifetime. True. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, there, there, there is, um, it is funny because... <laughs> And I have to say this because we're still trying to figure out what happened, what hit us. And I guess this is really like everything that God's talk about, that the book, the good, good, good books talk about, um, the unexpected. And most of us are not prepared for anything like this. So you find that um, it shocked a lot of people. I wasn't really surprised because I'm a type of person who live my life with no surprises because the reason for that is because I expect everything and anything from human being. And I realize that we have the good and the bad, and we also have the good and the bad and the ugly. So we have to now realize that when things happen, we have to just find ourselves in a good place and try to 
to analyze what's going on and try to navigate through that because this also shall pass. But it's just that it's really the surprising part of it that actually put us in a state of shock and let us, you know, kind of start to get into the nervous situation and so on. Yeah. If we have to go back to zero, that's what we have to do. We just have to learn now from our mistakes and not know that, you know, look, we can't make this happen again or find a better way to approach situations. So that's it. You definitely understand. Well said, and I totally understand. When With this program here now, what we generally like to do, we like to go right from the beginning and then bring it right up to where we are right now. So my first question I have for you is this. Where did you grow up in Jamaica and what actually attracted you to music in the first place? Well, I was, um, I grew up at 125 Spanish Stone Road and I will be more specific. It is in Jamaica and a road called Spanish Stone Road and that's between, um, it's a long road. So we can say from Tivoli Garden all the way down to Six Mile Seaview Garden. That's a whole long stretch of road with many different lanes and avenues and stuff. And all of these places are musically involved into the intricate part of developing reggae music in Jamaica. And that's when we say all the way from Tivoli Garden, that me have a pass, Tivoli Garden, Trenchstone, all of these places come all the way to Maxfield Avenue, where Channel One come all the way back to Mary Avenue with Volcano Ipo, all the way back to CB Garden with Shaba. Everybody. And then the rest of in the rest of industry now is really, really from the countryside, such as the cockatiel and whatever people come from country, come at all now, come make the thing even more sweeter. So that's my era that I grew up in, and that's where I was was where I, you could say I was born because you only go at Jubilee where the, your mother delivered you, and then you come right back home. So. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you're you're right. And what attract? Because I know you're in the music, but what attracted you? What was the first thing you remember that said, "Hmm, I, I I like this here." Well, first I have to recognize that my mom was actually very intricate intricate in um in singing at Dead Yard. So. I used to follow my mom because, you know, my dad wasn't always around because he was a fisherman. So my mom will took us everywhere that she goes to basically sing for the dead, you know, because that's what used to happen. Like the wake and stuff, they will send for my mom and my mom will go and sing. And music was always a part of my community anyway. So therefore I was always attracted to it. But, you know, as a kid growing up, but then the time was different because it was your community that raised you. It's not really just your mom and your dad. It's everybody. So if you're not going to school, everybody would know you're not going to school. So they will, they will, they will, they will gang you up. You know, you can't escape it. If I, if if you're gonna if you're gonna skip school, you have to be hiding in bushes because you somebody's gonna see you and they're gonna say, wait, but no Ruby's on this. Wait, you're not supposed to be in a school. You know. Um, so we have a community that raises us and um we actually was going to school um at the time and my whole community was just music as i tell you um from the volcano ipo john john henry Lars, um all the way back to romantic ipo and liquor john and that was the that was the time and then you know like i said the influence was there because then as a youth growing up I was always attracted to the music. So I used to really, in the even time when I come home from school, 
I used to just go out on the lane and just hang out with all the musicians that comes there, you know, because everybody come to see Jonjo. Jonjo was the man at the time. And everybody really come to see him, all artists. And it was just a festive vibe, like to just sit around as a youth and just, you saw Gregory and you saw Yellow Man and you saw some man come in and, and it was just a joy and Dennis Brown and, 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 and you sat there, you're just looking at just, just the whole moment. And then when the song stream up, every night there was a dance. Every night there was a party. It was always the music. So the earlier influences is is is, is really I, I could say I was I, I was invested in it. I was investing in it at the time because I, it was so interesting. And then my friends and my peers were musicians. There were younger artists that was coming up like Tenasar and Likajan. We used to go to school together. Cool. So so Tenasar and I was going to the same school and also Likajan. And we used to just little John get the break before before Tennessee. So therefore, you know, there was a Frankie Paul as well as younger youth that was coming up from the same community, you know, because Frankie Paul was just from Pian Avenue. And we were from Mackay Lane, you know, so it's just a, a street over. So we knew each other from back then, but all of those artists were big artists at the time when I was still going because little John get the break with what is Katy and some other song and and we actually couldn't really link up again because he left school because of the music. Now, I was still going to school. Tennessee got the break after. And I was the last one. And then that's where I met up now with another friend of mine in the community, such as Connor Crystal, who sing True Love. And me and him used to pair together. And then he got the break. We pick out True Love Will Never Die. Ghana, England, everybody gone. So I was really just the last one in the bunch. But what I was doing at the time, I was basically calculating my move and what I want to do. So I realized at the time that Sound System were the major platform to really showcase your talent. This is where you're going to train yourself to be professional. and to, and to, to If you have a talent any at all, you will know right there. So the now, Sound System... What year were you speaking was about here when you got into the sound system arena? Um, this was about 1985, about there, 86. Um, because that's when I have also, I think it's 87, I got my first recording with, um, first real recording with King Tobias because I've recorded before with Licker John. And Roma into Kai Power, but I thought it was a record, but I realized no, it was a dub. But let me take you from the, the, the street vibe before we get into the recording. Mm -hmm. The recording. So um hanging out with um Conrad Crystal. Conrad Crystal, a uh, little John of a brother named Paul Poser. He used to write for Conrad Crystal. Mm -hmm. And and Paul Poser was was the right of four kind of crystal. And then Just Crew now is also Little John brother, I think, our cousin. He, he he said that I am the better singer. That's what he says. So there was always like a, a little thing where Paul Poser is kind of crystal, kind of crystal um Just Crew was singing melody. So Just Crew was saying, yo, am I singer this? Everybody, you know, the community vibe and everything going good and the energy right, but 
Connor Christian and, and I didn't really follow that line of competition. We always used to just try to get the break. So we used to go to Romantic High Power a lot. So at the time, I only have one song. And that one song was a song called Friday Evening. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a cover version song from the Jackson 5. I don't know if you know that song. Friday evening, what a feeling. Feel like dancing and I feel like singing. So you gotta make up. So how I get that song mm-hmm. is that, as I tell you about the long street that I came from, the long road that leads all the way from back from south to west. And it was always, it was always um, music. So when I moved from my community, my mom has to move because things now go good. My father passed and um, she, it was just her alone. And she had to move because she got notice from the landlord. So we move and we go to, to Union Garden, which is further down the road. And that's where now I met like Michigan and Smiley, because they were from that community. Mm-hmm. And um, I started to hang out there, but much music never happened for me there because it was just a little bit distant away from my everyday life. And it was a new community. I have to get to know more people, more friends, but I didn't develop any friendship there with anyone that much. Um, so I ended up still, after leaving school, coming back, still walking to out by Macaulay where John Jalad's place is. Mm-hmm. So I used to come in late at night. So I didn't have much friends there. So I heard about a band in Greenwich Farm, which is next door, that community. And I said, I want to visit there just to check out what's going on. And that's where I meet Junior Rankin and Finnegan. Okay. And Junior Rankin and Finnegan, they used to rehearse with a band. And I used to come there and listen to listen to them. And then there's this kid there um, called Raymond Stewart that was always singing this one song. I didn't have a song at the time. I was just loving the music and wanted to showcase my voice because I knew I had a voice, but I just didn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. So while going to the rehearsal every, every week, you know, uh, Junior Rankin said to me, Yo, what you do? Because I always see you here and stuff, and you're just taking in the music. So I said, You know, I sing, and I said, Really? I said, Yeah, let me hear something. So I start singing Raymond's song, which I thought it was Raymond's song, but I didn't really realize it was the Jackson mm-hmm. 5 song. It's long after I realized that, and I'll give you the full story because <laughs> a lot of times we don't have the time to talk about the things and the journey, you know. Um, in, in details and everything not going to be shared in details here because I'm also working on a book. Okay. Um, that will tell my entire story and with chapters and different contents and so on. So will be um, something that we look forward to in the future. So that will have more details, but the bits and pieces here is, is helpful. So after singing that song, so we had to sound good, man. So that's where Junior Rankin and Finnegan and I becomes friends. And so shortly after that, you know, you, you know, you're becoming a teenager now. You're becoming more responsible for yourself. So mom was saying, you know, you need to get something to do. So I got a job at Servwell, 
which is a, is a company that I went there for electronics, but ended up planting grass <laughs> there. Because when I went there, I said, okay, so you want to go into electronics. Well, look over that place there on the left there. You see over there? Um, that's where I want to start electronic work. So I said, but that's a field. And so, well, you're going to move all of these old fridge because several was a, a place that sell fridge, stove, iron, all of those kind of things. And I used to love electronics because I used to pull up my, my mom radio and things like that. Yeah. And then when we finished now, we can't find out where half of the schools come from. You know, so <laughs> so I was always interested in that. So I, I went there because I thought I would get an opportunity there to to be become someone in electronics. And um, they gave me a football field to clear up me and a couple more friends, mm -hmm. and um, and start planting grass. Now, we thought that the grass that we're planting, it was on the ground, but no, we have to now get barrows and walk at least another five miles to get grass and bring it back and then plant them. So it took us about eight months to a year to finish doing that. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy the day when I was when the field was done, all we had to do now when we leave in work is just water it. So Junior Rankin called me one day and said to me that uh, he's going to King Toby Studio. So if I wanna if he's, he wants me to come because he you know I want to expose me to the recording side of it. Mm -hmm. So I went Actually, before I go, I called my supervisor and I said to him that, you know, um, I got this wonderful opportunity to to go to um studio. And he said, well, this is the only studio I know about. What studio are you talking about? So I said, well, for recording. And he said, well, if you leave here, don't come back. So I left. Wow. I, I guess because at this point here, you, you needed to figure out what You know, going I'm going to become a recording artist. You know, when I got there, them said, I'm just going to come and check out the vibes and see what's going on. That's how I was introduced to King Toby Studio. When I realized that it, was, it wasn't it was done, when I went back home, I didn't have a job because I, I had to leave my pay and everything. And back then, you can't go back where you ask to pay because that was it. You left. So I didn't, I didn't go back. So I started now to fool around a little bit of sound system. I'm skipping over a lot of things because like I tell you, everything, it's going to be long if I try to go into detail, detail. Okay. How, so about, this? how about this then? After skipping over that, I mm -hmm. started to follow sound system. I went back to my original bass, Volcano, and we started to hang around there. I used to go out for Jules' wheel. Um, every artist, them used to just send me to go shop. You know, that was my thing. You know, go shop because me, I look way into it. Mm -hmm. Start going back to Romantic High Power. This is where Little John now decided to record a dub plate with me and singing the song Friday evening. Mm -hmm. So after singing the song Friday evening and the answer with him, a matter of fact, it, it, it even spanned way before that because Friday evening, when I was rehearsing at Greenwich Farm, I leave Greenwich Farm, go to Romantic High Power every Thursday, Thursday night at the fight. Mm -hmm. But that back then, nobody knew you. You know what I mean? It was just, all you're going there to do is to hold a vibe and watch the big artists them work. So I know that answer rhythm is the, is the rhythm that I want to fit that song on. Mm -hmm. So what I did was to just walk up to the mic, 
standing in the crowd while other big artists working. You know, man, I help you too, you know, because you get help on all these things, you know? Because you're, you're small, you know, nobody know you. So when the answer rhythm come on and I hear that rhythm, I say, yes, this is it. So I just walk up up there and everybody I work on the rhythm and I pass mic and I just grab mic and start singing and the place mash up. And the man them say, well, on, how would I you mm -hmm. Make him sing again and, you know, the rest is history. Okay, so back then with Little John Romantic and all that, what was your name at the time? Singy Singy. <laughs> You're the original Singy Singy. <laughs> yes, uh, that's all. They, they, there was another one which I didn't, I wasn't aware of because he's all the way from Maxfield Avenue. I, that's a quite distant away from where we are because our thing was just community, you know, just right in the little circle. And um, so every community have them star, you know? And um, so Singy Singy was the name that I was going by. And the reason for that, because I was a kid that used to walk and sing. I used to love walking and singing. So, you know, and someone catch me singing and I said, wait, have a nice voice, you know, you, um, what your name? Singy Singy. And from there, I just like the name, I just take on the name. <laughs> so when I got the job at Serbwell, um, the security guard there was a friend of mine from Greenwich Farm because I met, my, met, met him at Greenwich Farm when I was going down there with Junior Rankin and Finnegan them. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he got a job at Servwell. So I used to always go check him at even time, even though I didn't work there anymore. So the supervisor himself, he had a sound system that would string up and play every Friday evening. And then there's this guy from, from Waterhouse who used to play it. And um, me and him now used to just hang out and sing on the sound. So when he played the, the A side, I used to flip it over, sing on the B side. Mm -hmm. So the supervisor came in one Friday and he and saw that it was me singing on the mic every week. So I said, yo, put on my mic and stop making noise on my place, man. Are you in there? I make noise every week. And that's how I actually started my, my practicing there. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I leave to Romantic Ipo and, you know, the, the rest is just history. And he's the one who actually helped me to find that name because he didn't like the name Singy Singy, the security guard. Mm -hmm. So I said, boy, you need a name. So I used to always travel with those like a small Oxford pocket dictionary. Mm -hmm. And uh, we took it out and sat there in the night and going through names till we found singing. And we said, yeah, the singing can stay. I said, the singing, all right. It's just the two singing, singing. No work. You know, so I said, just keep one of the singing. Mm -hmm. And um, we need another name for go with that because singing, singing sound like a mockery, like somebody mocking you. You know, it sound annoying. Mm -hmm. So we decided to go through some names. And always we there going through words and meaning of words and things like that till we end up at, at M. So when I found the name Melody now, I was saying, yes, this is it. And he said, no, man. Too much melody about. You have Bobby melody, you have Courtney melody at the time. It just come out. I sting. You have um, melody, um, Bob Marley and the melody makers. You have um, all sort of melody was out. And I said to him, but think about it. If you're singing, you have to be singing in melody. So I'm saying, this is the ideal name for me. I don't care who name singing melody. I would take on this name and I would work it. And I said, well, if you want to work it, work it, but I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. So I took the name and I started to mold myself with that name. Go to many, many auditions and the name was rejected. I remember a producer 
called me to come out and do an addition at RJ Studio. And when I reached there, RJ said, All right, next, because you know, there's a line and everybody going next and going in and out. I said, Why, Jano? Come like them, don't get you. And, you know, Richie and RJ said, What's your name? I said, Singing melody. I said, All right, go home and go change your name and come back. I never actually even sing anything. But it was so you were you were determined to keep this name because the person that you found it with, they didn't they didn't really like it. And now you went to a studio and they didn't like it either. But you right. in your heart, you yes. wanted this name. Yes. I knew in my heart that the name would have become a household name, and I knew that I ha I never had to change it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was always curious about names and the meaning of them. So when I looked up the name, I realized that singing is an art and it's an art form. And then no melody is really something where the instrument of vocals comes, comes together. It was powerful. So I knew what those two words were. So therefore, I wanted to keep that name. As a matter of fact, let me just fast forward a little bit and tell you that it was just four, five years ago that I actually owned the name because it was in Congress for years, battling to and from because they say it's two similar words that use a lot. So how comes, and I have to prove that I was using the name since 1987. Wow. So that's how I ended up with the name. I pay a lot of money and go through a lot of things to end up owning that name now. And it's now mine, just as you see it on the screen, you know, it is just there. So yeah. So that's how I, what I went through to actually get the name and stuff. I know we're all over the place with the story. Hold on. Because... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. So then this is what I want to know because you're saying, okay, you're on the song. You recorded the dub plate for Little John and stuff. What I want to know is how did you get to King Tubby's to record a song and how did that lead to your first hit over by Steely and Cleavy? Okay. So what happened is that when I went to a junior ranking on Finnegan, that's how I knew where King Tubby's were. So I was like, okay, I didn't get the opportunity here, but this is a place that I can come. Mm -hmm. So after school, I will still come home, change, and walk back to that community. And that's like over two hours walk. But back then, we didn't have shoes mm -hmm. that much. So there was only one pair of shoes. You know, the bottom leave it. So therefore, you have to put cardboard and sew it up and continue on the journey just so you know walk on the asphalt because you know it's hot sun when you look at me them time the man as as black as you see the bottom part of your phone screen that's how i was you know you know i was protected by the sun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um after pursuing my career um i was still on sound systems you know but i was looking the opportunity because i said to myself i really wanted to record something so i start going back to king toby's every day religiously like every day but i couldn't get to go inside because all things set up back then you have to stay out at the gate across the road to not in front of the gate across the road mm -hmm. from the gate and you wait for somebody to call it yo buy a pack of cigarette down the road if i mean and that was it it's like religiously i used to just go out for people because i knew that was the way inside mm -hmm. So when I come back with the cigarette, I used the security used to say, who sent you out? And I said, well, the big, the big Bridget man himself, he carried come. So he would open the gate and say, all right, go drop it off and come back. You know, but me normally just stayed here for like two hours, relax until him do him rounds. When him do him rounds and come back around, him said, wait, you know, come out, go outside, man, outside. And we outside. But you see, that was it. I got my foot in there 
And I saw what was happening and I said, okay, I just need to go through that big door. Mm-hmm. How I'm going to get through that big door? I don't know. I have to work it out. So in my community now, there was a youth in my community that was apprentice engineer there called Bantan. His name is Big Neil. He mm-hmm. have a label named Big Neil now in the UK. I don't know if you know it. Um, um, but he produced... Um, he produces a lot of songs back then. He was, he's still living in the UK. So I decided, I saw him and I said, wait, Bantan, what go on? I said, I never know you, you work around here. I said, yeah, man, my apprentice and thing, engineer. I said, what? So what I said. So he knew me from, my, from, from his community. I knew that I have the talent. He remember the little John romantic high power back laugh and, you know, remember that we have a song on XYZ. So, we him line up there was a day that King Tubbies wasn't there and he was playing around with the machines and him said, Well, him called me in the studio and said, mm-hmm. You wanna try out on a rhythm? But back then, you know, the man gonna have an eight track tape and the eight track there was only like three spaces after the rhythm met. So he was trying me out on the rhythm. However, I went in there, one shot, I have a song. So I developed my own song now after Friday evening. Mm-hmm. I write a song called Timey. Um, because I realized back then in the dance song, you needed to have your own thing. So I started to write. And I write a lot of songs before I even start singing cover versions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I write a song called Girl, I tell you one timey, timey, you better go on and leave me, leave me. So I tried it out on the rhythm. I read him like that. I, I remember the bass line religiously. So after recording the song, I didn't even know it was a recording. I just thought it was just a tryout thing, my try me out on the rhythm, but him couldn't erase it. <laughs> so King Tubby's came, so you know, everybody have to come out of the studio. Me run out and sit down at the yard like nothing at all. Not up. And I said, What? Get a tryout on a rhythm. Mm-hmm. So one day I went back now because you know you get seasoning into the studio and everybody know you know. I know I had the man who go a shop and things. So the security not a problem for let you know when you come. Because I'm no so shop you go go. I don't know he has no artist. Mm-hmm. So after spending some time around here now, one day I guess King Tub is ready for the rhythm now for recording big artists them on it now and then hear the spice on it. So Kias break out now. So because, you know, King Tubby is a serious man. He's a man where he's very serious. They might really just in a laugh. Like, mm-hmm. and everybody get nervous. Me take with myself because me don't know where I go on. Because I said, right, it, but it takes him erase the thing. But it wasn't. So them suspend him for two weeks. And um, them find out they him and suspend him. And, but anyway, King Tubby's never erased the song because he was listening to it. And he said, well, um, but the, the voice and the sound bad. Ask Bantan where the youth name was sing that song. So Bantan must tell him, come back and work by this and him tell him. And I'm sorry, right, tell him to come, come, come back at the studio, come check with. So I went back and he called me into his office and him said, Look, what you did was unacceptable because I didn't give anybody any permission to record anything. But song sound good. I'm gonna put it out. I'm gonna give you a copy for yourself. And if you want more, we sell it here. <laughs> so I said, I said, okay, cool. I'm saying I'm not signing any artists right now, but guess what happened? Um, we will um, 
see how it work out from here. So back then now, I just call myself King Toby's artist because I just everything start now. And <laughs> when you when, when you're at Tubby's, who else? What other artist was at Tubby's at time there? Well, it's a lot, you know. Um, you have King Everall, you have um Junior Del Guido, you have um Antony Red Rose was like King Toby's son. You know, if you look on the two of them, then look alike, you know. Mm -hmm. Um King Toby's adopt Anthony Red Rose, I would have sent to the music from a younger age, you know, and he was there as like Toby's major artist, you know, but there was a lot more artists was there. King Kong was there also. Um, so much, uh, I can't to tell. But anyway, shortly after that, I see the skinny youth come. Well, I met Trilla you because Trilla you was the, a big artist there at the time. Trilla you was before me, you know. So Trilla, you had a song that he recorded for King Tobis because how Trilla, you get to King Tobis now by the same look. All of we go through the same thing of training to become an artist until we find the studio. So King Tobis, him go around to go buy some dub plate for your sound and thing from his community. And King Tobis here, man, called him and said, wait, you sound good, you know, you come back and do some recording with me. So he went back and did that. So he did juggling and juggling most big. Juggling every time. And, and 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 it was a copy of Cockatee song. Mm -hmm. And um Trilla you get the break there. So I met Trilla you there. And then shortly after that, now I was there. I met quote the melody too. Cause quote the melody at the time of Ninja me ninja. Them sang that. Mm -hmm. You know? Um for King Toby's and big thing. So in the me I mean I'm singing melody now, I must say, yo, change your name the car. One melody alone we need around here. So, like I said, but you know, easy. So, I can never tell Bob Marley to change his name. <laughs> Bob Marley and the melody makers. They were here before all of us. But anyway, long story short, we never had any disagreement because Quote Melody was really just a nice youth, vibes youth, and so on. So, we, we blend vibes together and we're there. And then, shortly after that, now, I saw a skinny youth come around there now, tall skinny youth. And I said, We, I said, Why? I said, what's your name? I said, I'm Wayne Wanda. Yes. So, I said, yeah, and I said, yeah, man, and they are try out and thing, and where, where, where. Anyway, it, it may not be a frequent visitor there, so we start hanging out together. Mm -hmm. So I was the one, actually, who introduced him to dance hall and start carrying him to dance hall with me because I was already seasoned into dance hall. I was going on many songs, Jaro, um, um, I, 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 I Road Star, um, Metro uh, Media. Metro Media, Inner City. These are all the songs that I actually was... But 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 Gemini mm -hmm. was the song that actually brought me to the forefront. Glamour Wayne was the man mm -hmm. who actually took my career up. Me and Wayne Wanda, to be exact, you know, too, because, like I said, I never left Wayne Wanda nowhere at all. Me, always, me and him used to go, Big John, I power. That's the first song me and Wayne Wanda go up on together. And uh, we never used to get peace, so they used to give me food. Soup and curry goat, and that was it. But we used to sing all night. But Big John doesn't have give no money. Mm -hmm. We give all the food that you want when you come and give your first cup of soup, and you go from there. And we used to just ride on the truck anywhere the sun and go and, and go with it. Mm -hmm. And that's where we you know and, and I you now start record for King Toby's. We have one combination song, and and then from there you now we ain't split, and 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 then I split because then. We start seek opportunities. So 
still on the sound systems, the community you now, I move from where I was now and go closer to Maxfield Avenue. Mm -hmm. That's where inner city come from, the sound system name inner city. So, but back then, I wasn't really an inner city artist because inner city was more like of a disco sound. So they were, were more playing, they play all sorts of different music. You know, it wasn't just reggae or whatever, but they were more hardcore because you have Mark Dragon and, and then you, it was very classy youth, you know. And I just live up the road from there, which is Alexander Road. And, you know, I, that's where I get my first girlfriend and me and I move in and start living together. So mm -hmm. dancehall was my thing now. So every night, different dance, different dance. So in a city come from my era, I start power with them. So while well, you know, start record dub plate with me when I got studio and stuff. That's how you know, I met King Jamis now. And we start from there. So in the same breath of that now, still them start hearing about this youth and him singing melody now. So they must say, well, nice youth. So we and I recorded on the darker shade rhythm. So I recorded. Steele come pick me up a matter of fact at my house and his bike. Came go to the studio and I sang Sore Me With Your Love for him. And we and song still say yes. Yes. And what year was this that you guys sang these songs, though? This was 1988, the last part of 88 going into 89. Mm -hmm. So after, and if you can see from 85 all the way down to 86, 87, 88, it's really just a few years, you know, we did all of this by ourselves, you know, and just walk street, campaign. Mm -hmm. So we know about campaigning. Long before there was social media, before anything, because even with my first record that we got, mm -hmm. we used to just walk and carry out the dance hall, play it, make the selector play it, and, and then take it up back because I want you up. So you just want to make it to the cassette. You see, once it make it to the cassette, you're good. Mm -hmm. So after getting the break now and get Show Me the Love, I said to myself, Yes, this is a song. Mm -hmm. This is a song. So I carried go to Gemini Club, me and we in Wanda. We got Gemini and and but then we don't know Richie Stevens never really debut them time. They probably debut with him their countryside. Mm -hmm. So that's at the same Thursday or maybe long after that. Because religiously you know Gemini was playing at Half a Tree Road every Wednesday night. So therefore, every Wednesday night you now I used to go Gemini. But by then now. Glamour we now and the brint have given up because I said, boy, I can't find a song, I am balloon. Can't bust. So when I got Sean Media Love now, I said, yes, this is it. Mm -hmm. That is actually where me think. Because I never even I never actually find myself recording anything that was so beautiful and, and full of energy. Because we never have much opportunity, as we said before, mm -hmm. to ex to explore that kind of that kind of energy, but we were very good at dancehall because we could have hold a mic and sing for hours. Sing about everything and anything. You understand? Till the crowd come and then we pass on the mic to the bigger artists them. So that's how we used to do. Mm -hmm. And um So you and, would say shower me with your love, change your career. That was the moment that, that was changed the your moment. career. That was the game changer right mm -hmm. there. That's what actually made me recognize that <clears throat> wow. Actually, the night I give it, I, I take it to the experience. So I hand them away in the record and I said to him, to him <coughs> You know, Steely and Cleavy sang this now, you know. And he must say, Steely and Cleavy, oh, you record for them. I mean, I tell him to give him the journey and sit. And he must say, Boy, that's good, man. He must say, All right. 
So you name not the panic. I mean, I said to him, so, well, you know, back in the days, I just white label. You get the first test press. Got you. So I gave it to him and him, him played like, and I said, yo, wait till later. So anyway, um, Wayne actually gave him his own to, and the two songs them must. Same night. Now, let me tell you what gave me the thrill. When Glamour Wayne, and that's why I said Selector these days don't really bust songs anymore. Them just follow them one another and play everything. Mm -hmm. um, Glamour Wayne hold the mic and said to the, pe the crowd, say, people, I don't know what artist and my artist this, singing melody. And I wrote you, I tried for years. And him say, you see that song I will never play tonight? If singing melody no bust, in a living iron balloon, now bust again a song tonight. And let me tell you something. I sat down there and I, I never felt so nervous in my life because I said, this would be the end of my career if this song don't work. And this man really I tell the people, I say, yo, my iron balloon, me no good. Mm -hmm. I mean, him love me, you know, kind of vice, don't play it with me and stuff, but him just want to find a record where he can say, him bust it. Mm -hmm. And the man dropped the record. My brother, them times gunshot was legal in dance hall. Brother, soldier emptied the magazine. It was just a pandemonium inside here. A pandemonium inside here. People was shouting, fence was licking down. And I said, yes. Glamour Wayne responsible for my career from the on. And from there now, we start to extend that so that's how showing me the love that out there and then from there you know anything will happen in a dance hall back then you know i end up on radio mm -hmm. so barry gino heard about this song and back then people now used to compare me and sanchez because i said the song sound like a sanchez so sanchez was out there them time come out with lady in red and them songs there and he might go on you know in bus basically bus now because mm -hmm. he bus before me you know because a sound system, the whole way I come from, Rambo Mango, him the Rambo Mango, me the Panasonic merchants. So, so that's how we end up meeting each other because I didn't know about Sanchez before. Okay. Prior to, to, to thing is when we go for Rambo Mango now, we hear about Sanchez. I mean, I said, what on? I did, you know? So, we know the song Lady in Red because them song there for Redman was they were they were playing so not like we we're trying to sing like each other we just end up sounding alike as even by me talking to you now we sound like the record as what most people say you know so that's how it is and that's how showing me the love get out there and that's my first major hit song that's how it started for me and that's recording for skeely and cleavy yes what came what came first was it um, flashbacks that came first or that came after Show Me With Your Love? That came after Show Me With Your Love because flashback was Anita Baker era at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I used to be an Anita Baker fan. So everything Anita, Anita Baker does, I would I would have copied and, and tried to sing them back, practice them and sing them. So flashback, that was a parish record. Now, how I met Parrish is through King Tobis. While I was at King Tobis, because I was still going King Tobis, you know. Mm -hmm. And one day, you know, because that's how I met specialists too, way before even Shaba. So um, we were all singing Dub Place, because Dub Place was a thing back then. Everybody go forget a little thing. 
singing dub plate are your only income because you're not getting a royalty from now. So I was there one day and specialist came. Mm -hmm. And I said, Why? I look some dub from some artists. So you have an artist named Fat Panbird and you have Sanchez, you have not Sanchez, you have um King Everal, Red Rose, and all of we was there and all of we get work. Mm -hmm. from specialists and I remember that's the biggest money I've ever gotten because back then a $50 dub mm -hmm. you know and specialists give me $100 for one okay. and I said what biggest money me ever get and I said alright good and that's how I met specialists then shortly after that now producers come through to record and stuff and so from time to time rent King Toby studio and record and lick rhythm and things so mm -hmm. While I was there you now, one day I saw a bridging come and he me a sing dub. And he called me and said, Yo, you just sound good, you know. Um, and this was before he even showing me the love, too. Yeah, this was before showing me the love. So that's why I said it's bits and pieces. The story is long. So for me to really tell you, I have to chop it up <laughs> and go through some stuff that I can remember. So Parish now took me and he said, Come to my shop, man. And stuff, and we can, we can, we can start record some songs with them. I was happy because I wasn't recording, mm -hmm. and I went to Parish and I started to record for Parish. So record a few little songs before flashback, and so on and so on, and them songs, and not never really go on. But the great thing, the greatest thing about that is that he employed me as a as a part of his record shop to help him to. To restock record. So I so he gave me a bicycle. But then I walk we used to walk. So he gave me a bicycle that was like a motorcycle now in this time. Okay. So I used to ride from Don Robin Plaza all the way back down to Tough Gang and Sonic Zone to pick up record and bring back to the shop. And I would get a salary a salary now a, a wee time. But I realized I wasn't recording. And while I was recording for him, stuff wasn't happening. Him just put out the songs there, man. That was it, playing at the shop, and we never really hear them in the dance hall or anything. And um, so I went and got the big song now with Steely and Cleavy, and then now him start to ride on that momentum and record flashback now and do an album theme called Original. So that was your first album that you did now? First album was Original, but and it was distributed by VP Records. And then now show me with the love bust me now, and then that's when everything now turned, the table turned. Yeah. So I realized now that okay, we still there parish records, and I said, boy, things so up my film and just hold on and go on. But he, he wasn't living in Jamaica, I was living in America. Mm -hmm. So he have his cousin now that was running the shop. So I kind of get tired of the situation because I said, no, I want to launch my career. And this man, I didn't tell me if he's staying at the record shop. Mm -hmm. This is not what I wanted. I want, yes, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time, you know, this is something bigger. So I started to call him and encourage him. And I said, yeah, we can do more things, you know, we can, we can. And I said, well, I just hold on, man. Yeah, jump the gun, man. You think I circle, you know, bigger Fahrenheit, you know, and him start to tell me some things. That time, we start recording now, you know, because I have to hide on a record now. Because I know I'm recording for nobody. So I have to record for Bobby Jammies. And I screech out and I do the recording them. So them time they record. We're in this love together for 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 Bobby Digital. Mm -hmm. Then go a jammies now and I say, "Mom, I record some songs. I record songs there with me and Johnny P." And we we have about four hits with with jammies. 
Mm-hmm. And then now, I start murder. So him start to hear the song, then I call me and I say, boy, I tell you, say, you see a bunny, a bunny out yourself and all of that. So I end up leave. Mm-hmm. And then from there now, we still end up being friends and we're there for a while. And then now we kind of kind of start push out now. So his brother now, which is Tony, he used to have a song called Genesis and I used to hang out on Genesis as well. Yes. Yeah, so Genesis was a, was a sound system that actually, you could call it that they are part of the starting too. Mm-hmm. Because I was there while working at the record shop. I got introduced to his brother's sound at, at Bobbycon, right at Bobbycon there, so shout to the road. So I used to go there to hang out on the sound and play with Fitzy and them t- the selector, the man. Just going places with the sound, just like I do with any other song. But actually never get the break. So Tony decided to take me to Canada. This is actually not my first trip mm-hmm. to, um, to, to anywhere internationally, but because that Cayman was the first place I went. Um, me and Papa San, that was the first show that I've done. Um, while now, because sometimes career now started get busy and people want to interested in you and stuff and stuff. So we were managed by this lady called Lorraine. And she was managing Papa San at the time. So we ended up now going to Cayman. So that was the first travel um, show. But then after coming back from Cayman now, Genesis decided to bring me to Canada to try to do a concert there. Okay, yeah. let, me, let me tell you something about that. What if I told you I still have the flyer for that right now? You serious? I, that, that would be good. When we're done this interview, I'm going to take a shot of it. I have it in a bag right here, right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So it is a lucky thing. And you know something? Because the stories are so long, um, mm-hmm. I must tell you that there's a time where Tony said, boy, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm going to mention him no in an interview and this and that and one bag of thing. I'm going to say, Tony, you know, say, I get the So if you get your pass, mm-hmm. you know, but like I said, my my story is like an encyclopedia. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of navigation and content and different time in my life when things happen. Mm-hmm. And when I go on an interview and somebody say, "Well, you know, we have to take you from Jump Street," yeah. it's difficult to really fit that in in everything. So I'm glad I mentioned it this time because Tony always I said, "Why I'm ungrateful and I don't remember where I come from and things like that," but. That Genesis, it was actually two dances was on that flyer. It was two events that you guys did. I have, I've been collecting flyers from 1988. So I have that flyer. And I want to get a joke. The dance never work out. The the dance never flop. So (laughs) when we were making the dance, we said to the people, a few people, and we did it, like the box, the man who helped him up his son, and maybe a few more people. I said, You know, I just passed me a pass to your man ball out. I said, Yo, work, you come for work, boy, I pass you, you're the flyer. (laughs) But that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. Um, From there, I ended up into America, and that's when I learned that my career was so huge in America on the ground. Because Parrish was always telling me, which is his brother, that nothing not going on foreign. Even when we do the album, you know, and the mm-hmm. album was distributed by BP. So that's when I went and I realized now that things are a little bit different over this side. So I stayed there for a while and, and work and 
start earn really good money now and then we go back to Jamaica. But for the most part of it, it's a lot of stuff to talk about, bro. Mm -hmm. A lot. Okay, so then let's do this then, because I know we have limited time and I want to get into your new stuff, okay? You worked with, okay, two questions before we go there. You mentioned sounds a lot. You're definitely, sound is your backbone. Where I were you? I've been ungrateful. Mm -hmm. Sound systems, my brother, mm -hmm. help sing a melody to curve. That's why I have so much respect for sound system owner and sound, sound system operators, selectors, radio disc jockey. It, it, it is an undying love because without them, I couldn't have gotten to this far. Mm -hmm. But the number one thing is the fans, because no matter how much a radio man play, if you're not a fan, if you're not no fans at all, then it don't really matter. So the fans is really what helped me to get this far. Yeah, man, of course, sound system. All right. So then now, when it came to dub plates, where were you the first time you heard one of your first dubs mash up either the dance or the clash? What was that feeling? And do you remember where you were? Yes, Romantic Eye Power, for sure, because Little John was the first man to record a, a dub plate with me at the time. So Romantic High Power was definitely, it was a thrilling feeling because like I said to you before, I was a really humble soul and trying the music and all I wanted is an opportunity to get through the gate. So of course I couldn't have forgot that moment. That moment there, big, big, big. All right, you've worked with so many labels. You did like shocking vibes, everybody. There's three names that we mentioned that you work with that passed already, which was King Tubbies, Bobby Digital, and um, Steely, all right? Do you remember a moment from all three of them that you will never forget? Good question. Steely, when I went to America after Steely recorded a song on my boss, no one, I never, I, I, I record another song for Steely, which is... Um, Lonely is the girl I met while walking on Monday. So those are the two songs. Um, and Steely, I went to America. So when I came back, I was hanging out now at Arrow's recording studio because dub was always our thing. was always looking to extend myself through dancehall. And um, so dub play studio was always a place that we, we basically just hung out and, and we'll have vibe. That, not just for dub, but as artists, to meet other artists and so on and so on. Because we were very loving people and kind and friendly people. So we're always trying to find peers like ourselves that we can be able to team up with, write songs. Because what the artists should tell you back then, it's not just them alone get involved in their career. Every artist, because when studio time around, every artist in a studio, I'm going to get a line. I'm going to say, yo, sing this. I'm going to say, yo, the song bad, sing that party. And that's how we used to get our songs. Now, I ran into Steely out there and ride a big fat scooter come out there and he must say, oh, that singing melody. <laughs> Why are you now bus again, you know? Career done. Man say, you're worthless, man. So I said, what are you talking about, Steely? I'm so glad to see you. How you do, man? And I said, boy, 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 you're glad to see me. After you get one son, you run away, go a foreign and uh, 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 you think you're away to come back for bus? You're not a bus again. Brother, I felt so bad. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to see my producer now. I say, yeah. Man, I say, yeah, man. You're not a boss again. You know, but I, I, the only way you're a boss unless me record you. I'm mean, not record you again. So, so me I say. But Steel was always like that. You, you see, when Steely talk, you know, you have to, if you don't know him, 
mm-hmm. you really take take away yourself and go on and eat a shell because you always just start the worst thing about you. But it's a form of motivation. But I didn't know that. <laughs> so I went to him the evening and I tell him I cry me. I said, John will start. Still really embarrassed me today and I'm feel shame. But then I start to think and I said, all right then. Since I that still think, I'm going to prove him wrong. But I didn't realize that I was proving myself. I was proving to myself. It was a steely that I was proving to. Steely done what he did, done for me already. I, he, he did what he did for me already. I can't, he can't replay that moment. So I have to know just build on that moment for, to show him that. So that was the, the moment that I remember about Steely. Um, for Bobby Digital, Wow, what if a different moments? Because Bobby Digital were, as you know, was King Jamie's engineer. Mm-hmm. And when Bobby Digital started, we were his team. There was me, Wayne Wanda, Shabaranks. So if you notice all of the songs them from back then, that that bus dance hall, it was me, Wayne Wanda, and Shabaranks. Mm-hmm. And of course, Admiral Tibet was always there. And a whole lot of artists, but we are talking about the younger artists, them like when them just start out, we were the one that was vicing in his bedroom. You understand? Over you and then. So me and we and used to go there I'll, I'll religious, religiously every day. Mm-hmm. So every day we'll record something. And I tell you some, some songs sometimes are just half key or half beat. Them not on the right bars and Steely will fix um not Steely um Bobby will fix them. And that's why I tell people that Bobby was a doctor. He wasn't just a regular producer. He was he was a he, he, he was a professor in what he does. And Bobby, when well, I remember recording a song um for Bobby, and this was the moment, was say what? And this is long after, years after. I remember we have Willy Pahits with Bobby before that. But this is the moment that I remember. Is that I came to studio and there was a grab last rhythm playing. And Bobby said, sing it. May I hear you up on this, you know? Where you have feet? I said, you know, I don't have no feet. And I said, no, nah, man. You have to find something feet, man. And I said, so I said, this time now, I have a girlfriend where she'll go through some stuff. And not my actual girlfriend, but she's there with um, another guy. And the guy must put her out and take in somebody else. So she was telling me. And at the time, it was just on my mind. I mean, I said, say what? And, you know, the rhythm I play, I just said, say what? And Bobby, I said, oh, well, on there. Sing that again. I'm going to sing it. And I said, Bobby, I'm going to go in the room. I'm going to the room and start singing. And Bobby just, the man was like a professor, everything, right? It's like me, I look at Bobby Mouth and I see the words there, man. Them just like, come out. And Bobby, I said, yo, this is it. That time, when we go into the studio, and I hear Grabulous and them sang there. I mix him and mix him up. Oh, Bobby set up same thing. Once you record, it mix same time. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mikey Spice and Louis Culture just left there. And, me, and when, me, when me come out of the studio, me I said to myself, son, brother, yeah. And we have a whole heap of moments, you know. But Bobby resonate with me as my musical professor. I would, I would put it that way. You know, in his interviews, I don't think he has mentioned me, but... Because we were like the earlier, we were before the Garnet and before all of them, the Shaba. No, well, not before Shaba, because Shaba was in the same time. Right? We can't say that because Shaba was, Shaba was the, the king for Bobby. Basically, Shaba, Bobby took Shaba from Jamis, basically. You know, 
adapt Shabba because Bobby was the man around there and was and do the, the work. So you know that that that's it. There was only three artists that that merge out of that camp seriously. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we actually never signed to Bobby, Bobby wasn't a person that really paid you much attention when it comes to focusing on one artist. Bobby was always a producer that wanted to work with many. Because okay. remember, oh, Bobby become a producer, you know, it's by Heatwave. And Heatwave was another song that I forget to tell you about again. You see, I'm sure it's a whole heap of sound system. With Sprague Roots playing the song. With, with Sprague Roots playing the song. And I, that, I started to go to Heatwave after meeting Jamies and and Bobby them we start going eat wave sound and vice will if I dub for them and things like that. So the journey, long my brother. Now you were talking now, which other producer you mentioned? King Tubbies. King Tubbies. No man, King Tubbies moment I share with you are, are earlier. <laughs> King Tubbies was the, the beginning of my understanding when it comes to music. Um to recordings to be to be exact. And that's when I realized that. Wow, I had something and I can do this. And um, I recorded two more songs with King Tubbies. And then shortly after that, because we had a bright future with King Tubbies, you know. It's just that right in the midst of that, King Tubbies passed. They shoot him. So you and were still there. You were yes. there. What, yes. when he because he was building a new studio for us. He was building a new, the new studio next door. When we're going to, we get a peep inside here and the board was so pretty. And we said, yes, the room here. Yeah. Cause it was a big, it was right side of the small one, but it was it was really brand new and um, spent a lot of money in there fixing it up and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's where that cut off. When King Tobis died, we didn't know what to do. Everybody get really frustrated, and I think this is where we and one and I know kind of speak on him, you know. But we still keep in touch. Cause back then, cell phone was a privilege. You couldn't just call a man and say X Y Z. You have a wait, you have a time a dance and no a dancer come up and know say you see everybody this sound and link up and say all right next week we are going this again and and that's how it worked. That's so crazy. I'm telling you, your journey in this business has been so crazy because again. We've been speaking now for almost an hour, and we it's like we barely got into the 90s. Barely. 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 Oh, and we're in 2020. <laughs> okay, so then let's do this right here. I'm going to ask you right here on this podcast. Can we set up a part two? Because we still have to get to your new stuff right now. So can we set up another part of this interview also? Yes, we can. We can. And um, it's so unfortunate because this time I was very prepared for this. But then, oh, my God, the journey... My brother, when I sit and I look at my journey, mm -hmm. I said, I have so much knowledge I want to impart to the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's not, not just me alone. It's really just people who are coming from this time, from those times till now. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm so relevant up till today, it's really because of how I think about people. Um, I'm not a selfish person within myself. I do think about the industry first. I think about Jamaica, the place that I scratch my name on and, and bring it onto the world. And this is really without zero help, meaning that I've never had anybody spend any money on me. I've never had anyone manage me to the point where I get successful, you know, like things like that. You know, I think the only time I remember, and I had managers, but it's just that they, were, they didn't understand the levels and where to take me. So I, because I am coming from the sound system days and the street days, I have to do everything for myself. But of course, with the help of people, you understand? Because we couldn't just do it automatically. You know, there's so much people I built me on this journey. 
that I have so much to say about and give credit to them, you know, from yeah. sound system operator to producers, even people who rob me on the way out, you know, um, they actually helped me to realize that I need to be more business smart and things like that and think just, just, just simple things like that. But like I said, the journey is long and it's, it's very memorable. Like I, I would, I would, I, I would repeat it with a different, with a different energy if I had to. You know? Definitely, definitely. And that brings us right up because again, we're still there's the lust. There's the there's so much, but we're gonna skip all of that till we get back to the second part and get into your new body of work called your next chapter. Yes. Right? Out of all of your body of work, why does this one sound so different, so vastly different from everything else you put out as a body of work? Great, great, great question. The the evolve. Evolving is very important, and to reinvent yourself is very important. And that's why when you listen to our music, it's not stuck into the 80s or the 90s. You know, it, it, it evolved. And, and the reason for that is because we have new people coming up, and our folks who used to follow us are getting older. They stop going out. They stop. They're still listening to you, but, and they're still looking out for stuff. So that's why when you listen to the next chapter, you can hear every song on it someone can able to pick a song for themselves and say okay that song is not my favorite but this one is my favorite because this is the singing melody i know but for the younger folks who are coming up and if you notice with this next the next chapter is that i, I double a little bit into trap music into into afrobeat into pop and so on and so on just to, to widen the scale a little bit and and the reason for this is because so much time you hear an artist and it sounds like he's always in a box and he can't really get out of that box. I, I never, ever wanted my career to be about, you know, me singing on one job rhythm only because that's my roots. Nobody can conquer that like me and Sanchez, we and one and lost and we have that lock, Barry Salmon and so on. We have that. That's in our DNA. But the younger folks are coming up and them need to know about us. Just like how them grow up know about Bob and Michael. We want them to resonate with us as well. So therefore, even though the sales and stuff are not great, and I don't think that they're really buying music, but just to give them something to listen to and to nod their head to, and can say, wait, who's that artist? Man, it's a singing melody. Man, say, yeah, we know the name from a long time. Yeah, I'm still about. Yeah, that's the idea. Mm -hmm. and pop it into their player or their mp3 player and, and and listen you know because i just want people to know that i'm not limited that's basically it definitely and you know what surprised me was there wasn't the usual suspects when it came to features somebody like teddy riley is what yeah. really caught me off guard how yes. did that connect come around well, the Teddy Riley um, thing is really to a friend of mine named um, J-Soul. Um, I met J-Soul years ago to a friend called Reza, and that's his cousin. And J-Soul is a producer, a songwriter, and also a singer as well. He's, he's in the pop music world. He has a label, and he signs artists and stuff like that. And he works with Teddy Riley as a songwriter and music creator as well. So I went to him with an idea for my project, and I said, hey, look, you know, we knew each other for years and we've always been talking about music and so on and so on. Now is the time. I have an idea. I want to swing by you. So I was playing a rhythm, a song, I think. She said she wanted 
do anything and anyway for riches as you need it. No matter what it costs, relationship. And I would just play the song and he was like, yo, you know what? Melody, I think this is an idea that Teddy, Teddy can do. So I said, which Teddy? He says, Teddy Riley. And I was like, ah, oh, Teddy Riley? And he was like, yeah, um, let me give him a call. Mm -hmm. So he with Teddy Riley. And I was on the phone because I was just like, dear, I wasn't really, because I don't know what Teddy is going to say. So I just keep quiet. And and Teddy came on and he was saying, Ted, hey, you remember I was telling him about the artist thing? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, he's on the phone. And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay, hey, what's up, saying Melody? How you doing, man? Man, I've been listening to your music. Man, you're so great, man. Yo, you, you, you don't know, man. I was like, this is Teddy Riley talking to me like this? I am nobody when it comes to Teddy. Teddy is a G. I started to just go wild in my head. And he said, well, you know, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Come down to Vegas and we will work on something together. And I was shocked, like living in a shock. And I was like, okay, let this happen. So I called my manager and I said to him, yo, you know, we're going to do this with Teddy and J-Soul. Let's go to Vegas. And he arranged a trip. We went down there. We met with Teddy. But what, what is so good, I'm going to tell you how God really connects people. Really, really. I tell you, nothing happened by accident. And that's why I tell you, I have no surprises when it comes to life. Now, got to Vegas. We rented a little motel, like a little hotel. Mm -hmm. And Teddy came to see us mm -hmm. in the night. And um, he says, uh, why you guys stay here? I was like, oh, well, it's not. He's like, no, this is not good. He said, look, you guys need to find an Airbnb and we, we'll just link up in the morning. Just find somewhere. So Jason got on his phone and started to look for Airbnb and we find a nice place out in a nice area things like that, and we rented that. So we moved there the night. We check out of the hotel and moved there. And Teddy came, and he was like, yeah, this is much better. This is much better. Hey, look, guys, my studio, because the idea was we were supposed to go to his house and stay, but his house wasn't finished because he just moved to Vegas. Okay. And his studio wasn't really up and running. So he said, you know, just rent an Airbnb and we'll go from there. So Teddy bring all his, most of his the equipment that we'll need over to the Airbnb, went to Home Depot, and we got tapes and blankets and all sorts of things, and we started to find areas in the house where we could set up a, a recording booth. So while setting up the recording booth, we found a closet. And so we said, yeah, we can do it in the closet. So we, we put up the blankets, and then I have to go under because the door couldn't really close under the blanket and go, but it wasn't working out there. So we decided to pull it back down and set it up in the hallway. So after we set it up, we have to find a nice location now. Sounds good, padded, and sound flat and nice. I say, yeah, we, this is the sound we wanted. So I came out, and we started to talking about just our journey and the experience. And I was expressing to him that, you know, I was really, really appreciative of this opportunity. And, you know, it was very humbling experience. And I never expect him to be so humble. And, you know, things like that. As an icon that's in the pop music world for decades, you know, with a millennium man, I would say. And I was there and I was just talking to him and he would just start sharing with me about his past and his life. And we both have the same amount of kids. We both have the same kind of um, slight illness, we call it. 
um, thyroid problem. You know, me and him just go through some stuff. And we started to talk more about family and friends. And we, we both just aligned. Like me, him, and J-Soul was like aligned with everything. And that's how the song was created. When the song finished, he said, you know, I, I don't. He was just there because J-Soul was the one who was taking the vocals and doing everything. And he was just there bobbing to it and making correction. And while I was there trying to sing perfectly, because, you know, it's Teddy Riley, I say, yo, you want your vocals? They're on top farm. And I must say, stop, Melody. Don't, don't try to sing. Don't try to sing. Give me just the raw you. Don't give me any R&B, no. We have R&B. Don't worry about that. Just give me Jamaica style. And I was like, okay. This is it. This is me now. Because, you know, you come around and tell you, you just think that you want your, your the song to sound a little different from, but that's not what they wanted. They wanted the raw Jamaican style. And I, that's where I switched. In, in a second, that switch on and switch off. You know? And it was like, yo, when the song done, he said, this is a Grammy song. He said, this is a Grammy song. Yeah, I can feel this energy. We just needed to do some stuff to it now, and he's going to take it and get it mixed. So we're just working out the, the ins and the outs. So when I said, Teddy, so how this is going to go, he says, no, this is our song, our project. We are going to share this even. And I was like, wow. Normally a producer like this produce something with you. The more I like. And he said that it was a song that he wanted to share equally. So Sony Red heard about the song, not Sony Red, actually, there was a company that was signed to Sony Red, heard about the song and wanted the song immediately because Teddy was involved with it. Mm -hmm. And um, we started to do some negotiation. And then, you know, a lot of people came on board and a lot of big names came on board on the project. But then some greediness take place now where the guy who actually wanted to sign the product, the project wanted more from it. And Teddy jumped off and said, you know what, guys? If you want to go with it, you can. Just pay me up front. So we had to pay Teddy up front, even though it was a partnership. So it was just me and J-Soul now own the song. So Teddy jumped out, but we still remain good friends. Mm -hmm. And um, the project never actually fell through the crack. Because greediness, again, actually... Just take the whole thing apart. So we decided now to keep the track and put it out ourselves. But then a lot of things happen in the process of that. So I decided to pull back the track mm -hmm. and then do a remix on it. So I sent it to Sweden mm -hmm. with the acapella to Sweden. And I asked a, a, a production company over there called E7 Music. These guys are great. You will hear about them soon. They more do hard um afrobeat song um pop song they, they do everything but they more focus on pop songs and things like that so they created a remix on the beat some of the stuff is teddy stuff and some of the stuff is they just when they heard that it was teddy riley they didn't want to change much on it so the vocals were teddy riley you know he has his beatbox sound the vocoder sound on there and all of that. They didn't want to touch that. They said that was amazing. And Teddy Riley, just to be a part of this, they didn't even take credit for making the beat. They just said, listen, give it to Teddy. 
That's his thing, you know? So we did that, but I still managed to give them some credit for the beats and stuff yeah. and, and, and share a percentage of that with them because I'm like that. If I'm working with you, I'm going to make sure that you're happy because I've learned the hard way before. That used to happen to me when I was just coming up into the music. I was All my credit was taken from me. I didn't get no money and things like that. So I understand that this is our retirement. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that the field was level between me, GSOL, Teddy Riley, my manager, play an intricate role as well into the song. So that's how that song came about. Oh, crazy, I, crazy, I have to tell you that we went there to Vice in one song and ended up Vice in two. Okay, so, so there's, there's another a, one. There's another big song that is coming on my next project. Mm -hmm. We will definitely talk more about that later on. But that song is very, very hot. Very, very hot as well. It's two songs. So, yeah, that's, that's all that song came about. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's the next chapter. It's out now on all digital platforms. 15 fire tracks and different, different vibes for different moods and different feelings, all courtesy of Mr. Singing Melody Boss. Yes, I have to I have to say big up to um first of all, I'm also big up to yourself for taking the time out to just hear my bull craps all over the world. Nah, I and, love um, it. And, um, you know, I have to big up, you know, my manager, Garnet. I have to big up um, um, Teddy Riley. There's so much producers. I have to big up um, Big Yard. Not Big Yard, but um, Unity Yard for No Love, the track No Love, and Look It to Cook It. I have to big up uh, Big Laugh for Her Emotions. And then I have to big up to Linford Fata Marshall, my producer from Fatai's, you know, created all the big songs then EP an intricate role and mixing some stuff for me too. Because I still have I still haven't leave out the the original people. They still deal with me, guiding me. Sly and Robbie as well. Big big up to them. Big up to everybody who play a part on this project. The background vocalist, Lime Murray. Um, who else? Oh my god, there's three collabs. Big up to Budukusu from Ghana was collab with me on on the same on the same album with a song called Keep You Warm, which was produced by E7E Music as well, because they did two tracks on the album. And um, like I said, you know, to Tough Gang International, who was taking on the project, and I wanted this project to be an old soul project because I realized that over the years we've been going with the same people and getting the same results. So I realized I wanted to switch platform a bit and focus more on what Bob Marley wanted for the reggae music. And uh, even though, you know, we, 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 Bob is not here, but his name is still ringing and the gang family. So we just have to just big up Tough Gang International for the distribution of the album. And also your friend in music, who is my manager's label, my label as well as Shem Music. And for the platform, Easy Man, Singing Melody. Just like on that. IG, singing melody on IG, singing melody music on Facebook, and also singing melody on Twitter and TikTok, singing melody music. Mm -hmm. And also, if you need me for bookings or anything, remember your friendly music at gmail.com. Very easy. Just like that. And the thing with it, you got your wish. You wanted your name to last forever, and your name is right now lasting forever. That's definitely well. Thank you. And, and like I said, even though they said nothing lasts forever, but I, I, I know from I was a child growing up that music is the only thing going, sur going to surpass us. Um, even when we're gone, the music will still be here because so we lost some great producers last year to this year. We lost great icons. 
you know, life is just what it is. And we just have to just remember that we have to leave something behind that, that we can remember, you know, and I'm glad that I chose music and music was chose me as well. And if it didn't, then I, you would have known by now that, you know, we don't hear about singing melody for 20 years, you know, I'm gone out of the business, man. I'm done. Yeah. As we usually say, as, um, as Jamaicans, well, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm not going away, you know, but for the most part, it's like, to everyone to who actually put out effort in this time to really put out great product, despite of the situation. We have a challenging situation now that everything is online and most people are not buying anymore. Most people are just streaming and uh, not everybody understands the streaming platform and how it works. And so that's where we struggle now to sell is because we... We used to just go in and pop in, in the store and pick up the artist stuff or go to his shoe and buy him stuff. Now the whole thing changed now to a, a different world. And um, we are struggling to selling. And I don't want to stay here and elaborate too much on it, but that's a different topic and part two that we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. And um, understanding how we really create sales on these digital platforms. And um, this is where we're struggling now because if, let's say you have a Spotify account, and you're paying for it, $10, $12 a month. You get to stream anything. You can just download any album and play it or stream it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay for it. You just stream. You're paying for it on a monthly basis. So what happened now? That stream split up between you and 15 or 20 other artists, depends on your listening um, library. Mm -hmm. now, now, when that happens, let's say singing melody of two songs in your library spinning of the next chapter that song has to stream at least three thousand five hundred times to count as a seal are some crazy numbers like that I'm not quite sure on the number wow um no i think if you're paying for the account it, it's it's about 1200 but if you if you don't have a paid account and it's a free account it's about three thousand five hundred stream to one song to count as a sale about i'm not sure about the number like i'm telling you so people understanding that that means say if i go on there to play your music muscle i have to play it continuously for it to develop sales so what I'm, I'm saying to people is that getting access to the actual project and bite and download it to your device is really the way to to really support us and Music are struggling now to sell worldwide. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same anymore since we got to digital. Everything has broken down to to mathematics now, and not everybody else's brain can be able to manage all of that. People just want to get algorithms, right? Yes, right. No, listen. Before I get you out of here, what I'm going to ask you for is an acapella of "Shower Me with Your Love." My heart is filled with so much love and I need someone I can call my own to fall in love. That's what everyone's dreaming of. I hold this feeling all so strong. Life is too short to live alone without someone. 
to call my own. I will care for you, and you will care for me. Our love will live forever. Shower me with your love. Yeah, man. Muslim. Wow. Respect, sir. And we give thanks to the blessings every time. We also give thanks for the opportunity. And we give thanks for life itself. And may God continue to bless you on your journey. Bless you and your followers and your listeners at the same time. We respect that and we respect it. Respect so, from the new album, I just want to say thank you. The album is called The Next Chapter. There's a track on there on this album. Big up to Stingray Talk. I will forget mention Stingray because that's where this album started. Um, the next chapter, and there's a song on there called Give Thanks. We gotta give thanks. We gotta give thanks, yes, for the ones who come before us, and we gotta shake hands. We gotta shake hands, yes, for a job well done. Say no more. A job well done. The next chapter is out. Please go get your copy. Go Mr. Melody, let me give you an outro and get you out of here because part one of this conversation was pretty crazy. I can't wait till we sit down and do the second part. Well, Thanks. ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. Respect. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinesmusicut.com. <laughs>